This shit crazy, right? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So let's 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 save it for the end again. I'd say, right? I, I think, and I don't know how much we necessarily want to get too into it. Um, otherwise, I feel like we're going to end up bearing our souls every time we record, given the state of the world. Right. 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 <laughs> well, you know, I, I kind of want to. I kind of want to go off in the beginning, like. Okay. Like. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna break down into a puddle, which is actually one of the more infuriating things about the whole thing. Is they? I feel like now they they leaked that thing so that it felt inevitable instead of feeling enraged. It was just like, ugh. but um, I don't know. Like you want? If you just wanted, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not. If you if you want to address everything off the top, that's fine then. I just always feel like there's a tonal whiplash. <laughs> like, and now let's talk about Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like it's the part of the like. Look at this fucking Paul Verhoeven ass fucking Stephen King novel and Tom's ass world we're living in. Like, what the fuck? This is like at least right. how we have the reference for it. I don't know. Is this uh? What's well, yeah, Handmaid's Tale, yeah. Margaret Atwood shit? Yeah, yeah. Now we just gotta like wait for them to die or whatever, or or or, or like a, a revolution or whatever the fuck, like in like in uh, Running Man or whatever. This is crazy. <laughs> I got well, yeah, like, I got those text messages from a producer at like eleven thirty last night. Be like, take all your money out of every bank. And I'm like, all right, dude. <laughs> but like when they say the country is going to fall, like I'm still gonna be, we're still gonna be physically here but what, that, what does that even mean what, what is what does the fall of civilization mean is this like a no more coffee is that that idea how about kill somebody for that shit that's what's so weird about all of it right is is like we're we are kind of in the end times and there's been sort of i think some things in human civilization that you could consider the end times like the fall of the roman empire and stuff like that right where where entire uh civilizations are torn asunder uh, but obviously none of us lived through that. So we really don't know what the fuck everything looks like right now. Um, and, and also the fact that we were like, we're still here, like civilization fell, quote unquote. But like, you know, we, we history kept going. So what does that even mean? Yeah. Like even with the Roman one, it was like a Rome fell, but the Holy Roman Empire was still going over in like Constantinople. Like, what yeah, is that, what does that mean? Were, if you were alive during that fall, it wasn't like you were, you know, enjoying the aqueducts, toilets, and then all of a sudden it was gone. It was like it, it degraded over hundreds of years. So it's not you don't feel it. Yeah. 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 It's a weird, it's a weird vibe. Um, but uh by the way, hey everybody, this is action for everyone. <laughs> 26 2022 i am as always your host mike scott joined by uh as you did we really just start (laughs) yeah we really just did all right there's no reason not to right uh joined by liam o'donnell liam how are you Uh, i'm feeling better thank you everybody uh who who wished me well and and thank you guys for uh understanding last week um I, I, I'm I'm reaching that point that we all know from the classic Spielberg film, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, <laughs> where he says, uh, you reach a point in life where uh, you, you, you stop getting things and you get things taken away from you. So this past week, I've had uh, beer, whiskey and cheeseburgers taken from me. 
And it's annoying how much better I feel. Uh, I, I wish it weren't true, but um, I do miss the living deliciously. Uh, and uh, yeah, my, my, I'm on the mend. Yeah, you do. You do indeed look great. Oh, you thank, you. The, the thank you. Face. Yeah. <laughs> I know the feeling. And uh, as you know, that's Vice Fitness. Vice, how are you today, buddy? Hey, hey, we're here at the end of the world. Coming at you live and direct. Yeah, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling, I'm feeling like. You have to laugh, roast you cry. That's what it feels like. But I'm fucking right now. I feel fucking hilarious. Tell you what, <laughs> but the show for you today, the shit we saw. Oh my god, me and myself want to die. Ah, Jesus. All right, go back to you, Mike. Let's, just, let's get this shit going. Yeah. <laughs> Everything hurts. Ah. <laughs> Oh, it does. Uh, uh, folks, we're going to hopefully, obviously, you guys know we do talk about everything that's going on in the world, but I don't I we don't want this show to also just become an endless parade of horrors like every uh, week. Uh, and so we are going to we're going to try and provide you some distraction. We all we saw a wild mix of stuff. I don't know that any of us really saw the same thing. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a little all over the map, but fuck it. That's how we roll. And that's why you people love us. And, you know, you do. So. Uh, all right, so let's let's start off with I guess uh, I'll I'll start us off because this is the one that is most present in my mind because I I woke up this morning still in a bad mood about it, which is I watched uh, Patrick Hughes, the man from Toronto, the big Netflix drop this week uh, that was uh, actually intended to be a theatrical venture, and uh, Sony ended up basically dumping it on Netflix, and uh, I know why. Uh, Guys, this this thing is now I am going to be a little bit excessive on this uh, because I'm sure there are plenty of people who are going to enjoy this movie. But for me, this was almost like algorithmically created to be everything I hate about movies. It's it's Kevin Hart at his most insufferable. It's Woody Harrelson at his most boring. It's Patrick Hughes at his worst uh, action director uh, abilities. Um, it. it it's so much even worse than the hitman's bodyguard's wife, which I didn't like at all. It's so much even worse than that. Uh, I was tweeting last night. I said, I will watch infinite 50 more times before I go back and watch the man from Toronto. Holy I, shit. Yeah. <laughs> because at least infinite, at least infinite is <clears throat> like what Wahlberg is doing in infinite is so ridiculously terrible that there's a bit of like fun to be had watching the movie. There was nothing fun about this one for me. Um, and unfortunately, because thanks to you, Liam, you put in that this was originally supposed to have Jason Statham in it. That just ruined it even more as I'm watching Woody Harrelson try to, who is a great actor. Don't get me wrong. I am not shitting on sure. Woody, except I'm shitting on him in this movie because he is so bored and so badly miscast here. Uh, to, to be this stoic badass is just not really what he does. And he and Hart have no chemistry together at all. Uh, so it's one of those movies where I watch it and I go, I could have just watched Central Intelligence again and watched a good Kevin Hart movie. And I could have watched a thousand good Woody Harrelson movies. And I could have watched Red Hill and watched a good Patrick Hughes movie. Instead, I watched the worst that all three of them have done. Um, I... I to to quote Roger Ebert, I hate, hate, hated this movie. And I think that's the first time I've ever really said that on this show because I try and keep it positive. But fuck the man from Toronto. Fuck it right. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah, wow. And yeah, I as as we 
I had a little back and forth on Twitter um, that that the, the news of Statham joining this and leaving was not some insider information I had. That was all on uh, pretty well documented in the trades and, and deadline. And he actually fired his representation team afterwards. But, you know, like the, the, he's at a point in his career where people just come to him and say, here's $10 million for a movie. Like, you know, it's it's one of those ironies that the higher up you get, the less you re- really need uh you know to be giving people this huge percentage of it when everyone knows you you're a brand name so i understood that from uh from just a business decision it might not have been how did you how did you put me on this script i hate it um but who knows who knows what the real story is i sat down to watch it uh last night because i knew i was gonna get ready for this shit and uh, and i'm like i just i was already depressed because of the news of the world then i was like there's a part maybe about 40, 40 minutes in where it's like a big plane crash sequence or whatever. It looks like a fucking PS1 cutscene. No, it, it, it was just the word. I turned it off when I went to the bar. I went, out, I went outside. It was midnight. I tr- It was midnight. I turned the movie off, got into my car, and went to go drink at a bar. That's how, that's how fucking it went to turn me off. I was like, fuck this movie. And it, so what you just said about uh, Woody and, and, and Kevin, like, so in, the, in movies like this, where there's like a grizzled badass, like the, the clown guy, usually like, you know, they have the grizzled guy be all like uh, annoyed and perturbed in the scenes with, 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 with the, with the uh, comedian. But it looked like Woody's actual face, like his actual honest, real feeling was like he was tired of being in this movie. Like, so that almost made the character better because like you could tell that Woody didn't want to be there. So neither did like the actual assassin guy, the actual man from Toronto. So, so if nothing else, that came through loud and clear. Nobody wanted to be in this fucking movie. And also, Patrick Hughes, this is the thing. Um, in the first Hitman movie, there's this very strange, maybe Liam, I don't know if you can speak to this. Uh, I don't know how to explain this. Like a, a weird um, blur or occlusion i don't know how to explain it like well, during certain action scenes or during certain, even certain like a uh, regular just staging stage scenes there's this, there was this very like high like um contrast blur going on over there almost looks like a like the uh like the the screen fl- uh, uh, like almost looks like flares like screen flares like you know like jj abrams does but like but it was, just during, was it in post or was it in the in camera i don't i'm not in camera in camera I'm okay. specifically thinking about the one scene in the first party guy movie. There was like a uh during that like the, the big uh fight in the in the warehouse in the in the uh hardware store. There's, there's a similar thing here in this movie where um in the plane fight scene, it's almost it's, it was even stranger because they obviously in a physical like uh construction of what a plane should look like, but it right. looked like they made it look they made the real physical background look fake. It made it look CGI with this weird blur. And I do not understand why he does this. I, I, like, he makes this shit look intentionally bad or, or like, strange or, like, f- fuzzed out. And I do oh, not understand. Oh, so are, are you saying it's, like, a shallow focus lens? So like, Is that what it is? Yeah, like, the, yeah. the guy, it's almost like, like the layman is the portrait mode on your iPhone where, you know, whatever is in focus is in sharp focus and then the back is very blurred out. Yes, but even yeah. then, even the, even the stuff that's in focus is kind of blurred out too. It's so yeah. fucking weird. I I I get. I, I you gotta probably we'll, when they we'll do like a our own DVD Netflix commentary on why this shit sucks. But yeah, I was just I was like he because the thing is he did it in the first uh, Hitman movie 
But then he didn't do it in the second one. Like the second one actually looked better. And then he came back to this shit. I, I'm, I'm like, why are you doing this to me? What, what did I do to deserve this? Uh, it's just such a confusing thing on a technical technical level on top of this bullshit story going on with Kevin Hart being a fucking loser gym guy, whatever. It's, uh, that was the... the wait, the, wait, he's a gym guy? He's like a, a personal trainer? No, no. He's like a, he's like a fake... Remember that? Oh, oh. He's like a fake Taibo guy. Like he's trying to make fake uh, fitness tools, like a, a stretch band and a. Uh, he's a the teddy bear. It's making me laugh. Why? Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because well, I'm saying it because I because I hate it. He's a teddy band. He's a he's a teddy bar. A pull up bar that falls down on him. A t- teddy box where you it's not contact boxing, which is like shadow boxing. He's trying to promote these stupid ass ideas. But even but like you know the point is the ideas are silly, so people don't you know. So that you see the character is silly, but the ideas are actually stupid too. Like, like they don't even make sense to like laugh at. It's just okay. it's like like elastic bands are real. Those things actually exist. Right. Yes, <laughs> like they're just that's true. No they do thought. work great. Yeah, yeah. Needs band work. Band work's legit. Yeah, yeah. Just that you know, but you know, he takes the because he's because he's Teddy. He takes the band and lets it go. Pops up in the eye because ah, oh, he's yeah. a clown. Ah. <laughs> it was rough. That, that was the first two minutes of the movie. <laughs> this dog shit. <laughs> anyway, yeah, don't don't watch uh, the the man from Toronto. The, the, it's, it's not good for your health. If you, especially now, if you see it during the end times, it's gonna it's gonna make you wanna ooh. I can't even say it. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna, you're gonna make you wanna do bad things. Okay, well, I, I did not see the movie, uh, as you can tell from my uh, questioning of under, like what the hell is going on. Um, you know, maybe, maybe I'll I'll get to it at some point, but uh, nah, that, that's nah, disappointing. Don't. Disappointing to hear. You got you got better things to do, man. Yeah, I promise. Like, this is, Literally, this is one where I'm like, look, this has the last thing I'll say about it is it has what is maybe the worst uh, action oneer that I've ever seen. Uh, it's, it's Harrelson and Hart in a gym and it is, I know exactly what you're talking about with that fuzziness vice, because it's all throughout that. And I think part of it is because, uh, Hughes is really bad. I think at covering up stuntmen. And so they, he intentionally is sort of obscuring the shot so that we can't see the stuntmen because, you know, Woody does do some stuff in there, but, you know, Woody Harrelson's not a young man and he's not ever really been an action guy, even though he's been in action movies. So there's clearly a lot of stunt work going on. And the way it just moves throughout this gym in one unbroken take. It's so obviously like 50 different shots. I mean, they're not even trying to hide the digital cuts on it, but they still want it to look like a one I mean, I, my jaw hit the floor with like how bad this now I got to see it because you know I have a little <laughs> bit of a of an ire against the 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 oneer uh you know uh fascination in action and that it it should it should, the oneer is for immersion that's what it's for it's like that is actually the what what the technique can do it can immerse you in something but so many people use it as just like a fucking almost like a TikTok show reel thing, and it just yeah. annoys me. So um, now I got to watch that at least that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's uh, it's it's pretty gnarly. So um, 
I'm really curious about what you're talking about with the lenses and, and that. I mean, some of that is like you're saying, Mike, it's it's hiding stuff. And um, sometimes it is. Um, it's like in, in composites. Yeah, you're using every trick in the book and uh, making things motion blurred um, definitely helps hide cuts and stuff like that. So it looks like somebody put their finger smudge on the screen. Like a, that's, what, that's what it looks like. I can't. I don't know what it looks like. Wait, wait, I, would, I wonder if he's. Um, yeah, I wonder. It, so is it is it not like that? Like the Peter Jackson streaky thing, you know, like where where he's opening up the uh, the, the the eye of the camera and, and and so it starts to streak like in the Lord of the Rings when you're in those action battles. It's not that. No, no, it's no. It, it, it is more like. Um, Vice is kind of right. It's more like a smudge, uh, but it not like a full smudge. Like some parts are smudged, others aren't, but there's not a lot of, at least to my untrained eye, not a lot of apparent rhyme or reason as to why. Like it's very clearly intentional. Like I don't think Patrick Hughes shot a movie and didn't focus his fucking camera, right? Like it's very clearly a an intentional stylistic choice, uh, but I don't see what the purpose of the choice is, you know, at least with JJ Abrams lens flares, you can be like, well, he likes that at like that Apple aesthetic, right? He likes yeah. that's, that's his look uh, this. I just can't, I can't really quite figure it out. So yeah. And, uh, and if just if you just watch that one or it's about three quarters of the way through the movie, it's the last big action scene in the movie. You'll see it all throughout there uh, throughout that. that cool. Yeah. All right. Well, enough of enough of uh, bitching about uh, uh, the man from Toronto, because, again, I don't we don't we try not to be negative on this show. But also, I mean, we I know people want to watch it and I got to I got to tell you how I felt about it and advice. You, you, you should go to Toronto. Instead of watching this movie, go save money, actually go to Toronto, really nice city. Have a great little a brewery there, a little, have like a Pilsner brewery. I only make a Pilsner. I was there a couple years ago. It was really nice. Really great summers. Beautiful city. Oh, oh it's, Toronto. it's incredible. Incredible. Oh, yeah. I love I, I love Toronto. Yep. Good, good Jamaican food because, you know, the Jamaican diaspora is very heavy there. Yeah. Toronto yes. Do that instead of watching this fucking movie. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I've, I've spent time in, in Vancouver, Toronto and Montreal, and they're they're great cities. Montreal is like the, the cheapest trip to Europe you're ever going to take. I would highly recommend that. <laughs> and um, Vancouver, uh, beautiful west coast aesthetic of uh canada and then yeah toronto definitely has like the, the i felt like the a, a nice rich culture and uh incredible food yeah it was like mirror mirror new york it was pretty cool yeah <laughs> all right what's that what what else we got going on during the end of the world what's, what's, up, Mike? what's going on uh liam you uh dug into some obi-wan did you finish the whole series or did you just get part I I did. I did finish the series. And uh, I want to thank uh, Chris Barreras and uh, Andy Gorman for uh, I, I I just didn't feel like it was uh, appropriate to be live tweeting um, my thoughts on Obi-Wan considering the state of the world. So I just did a little uh, DM with the two of them as the super fans of Star Wars, asking them questions and bitching to them directly <laughs> because uh, those guys have never seen anything Star Wars that they haven't loved. Uh, and so <laughs> I thought that was a good person to, to bounce off for me, who um, I feel like I'm pretty level headed on this stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I like the really good stuff and I'm, I'm uh, a little bit more contentious on the things that aren't. Um, look, the, the, the interesting thing on this one is it's really exciting off the bat. You know, like my biggest thing when I 
the first question I asked them is just like, why the fuck is this not a movie? This is not some, you know, like, like I love the, I still think the Mandalorian is the best series that they've done. And it, it's because it's designed as a great series. You know, it's, it's a serialized sort of Western um, vibe where you have, you have an A plot and you have a bigger story, but there's all these great little adventures that you can get lost in and you get to go to these different planets and, and have these, uh, you know, kind of closed stories, especially in that first season, they did a great job at that. And that is really like traditional television at its best. Um, Boba Fett, I think they, you know, they kind of went somewhere in the middle of trying to tell like a feature story with some of the serialized stuff. And it, it's a little bit more of a hodgepodge. This one, it starts off with a previously on Star Wars and does a whole cutscene of the entire prequel trilogy, which thankfully <laughs> I had watched like within the past year. So it was all pretty fresh in my head. And you're just like, wait a minute, we're doing a fucking story about Obi-Wan and Darth Vader and it's a TV series. Like, so that to me, you guys, I've made my, my feelings about, you know, obviously loving movies more than, than this stuff. So that kind of... Uh, uh, right off the bat was was an interesting choice and i i disagree with it i think i think it needed to be a movie um there's the the i think the story you know was worthy of one and it and it could have been you know something truly great i if it were pared down and and given more resources i think even though as expensive as this thing looks there's stuff that looks really really cheap um so then you get to what I think is the biggest problem of this entire thing. And uh, maybe it's because I have daughters, uh, you know, my, my oldest daughter turned nine uh, in January. My younger daughter turned six in May. They keep saying that, you know, this not even a spoiler. It's the first episode. It, it very much features Princess Leia. It's, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, a bait and switch that it's going to be about Luke, but it's actually the series is really about Leia. And um, they keep saying that she's 10 years old. And if this girl's 10 years old, she's the smallest, most precocious, cute little 10 year old I've ever met in my life. She looks six to seven years old and people are constantly chasing her. And she runs like the, like a little kid that you would catch in about five seconds. If they were running from you, you know, like when a kid is running into traffic and you're like, Oh shit. And you run to get your kid. You catch them right away. Cause they're children. Uh, but you know, flea and, uh, all these bounty hunters and, uh, and even Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan himself cannot catch this kid who like in wide shots, they show running. It is just ambling, ambling like a child. And you're like, what is happening? And she's, you know, um, again, I really don't want to make it seem like I'm beating up on a, a little girl. It's more the creative decision to cast this little girl. Uh, that's who I would put the onus on. Uh, she did everything that was asked for. Uh, I've worked with children before. It's very, very challenging. And, um, you know, I, I, anything that you can get out of them is, is really a job well done. Um, and, and those kind of like, you know, uh, Dakota fannings of the world are like few and far between those, the, they don't just grow on trees. So uh, not expecting that, but I, it just, to me, I, I didn't get very emotionally invested in the series because the heart of it is Leia and, uh, and Obi-Wan. Um, I will say the, the best part of everything 
And I think the reason why you'd see the most positive reaction to the whole series is the return of, uh, of, of Hayden Christensen as, as Vader. It's great to see him back. I think they did him uh, a lot of justice and it kind of builds to a scene that has this great line that feels like the, the entire series was kind of worth telling. So in that, in that case, you know, I, I'd still recommend it. Um, I think uh, I saw some of my, my, my friends from real deal stunts did uh, as some of the stunt guys, there's actually, I'll post it after this. There's a, a little clip where uh, um, Cha Charlie Yoon, who played Z and Skylines uh, gets in a fight with uh, Obi-Wan. And I was like, the, the Skylines to Star Wars pipeline is strong. <laughs> um, so that was really cool. Um, yeah, I, I I I heard that they filmed some of this stuff like in LA in like rock quarries and um and just in backlots and it it kind of looks like it. Um so uh I didn't I, I really did not come away in love with the action. I'd be honest what you guys think, but um it did kind of make me appreciate the prequels uh, a little bit more. Um, you know, those prequels, uh, all the problems that they have, they are swashbuckling uh action adventures with a ton of scope and wild ideas in their fight scenes you know whereas i, I kind of felt like the they just kept defaulting to sabers crossing and staring at each other in the face like over and over again that the um the the, the ideas weren't fresh enough um invader is so like overpowered and then it, he'll just start doing a fight scene you're like but he just like stopped a spaceship from taking off and now he has to like fight some dude you know it's like uh, it it's where it all kind of kind of mushes together but um yeah i i i guess that uh and i also feel uh a little bit of a uh that they they use the duel of the fates as the trailer of this and i found the score to be the least uh satisfying of of any of the disney plus series it you know i, I think Mando obviously created its own kind of iconic score. And then Boba, it's like a version of it, but they did do something. If I heard the Boba Fett score, I could say, hey, that's Boba Fett. And I think that's saying something. Um, this one, like they they kind of will like move up to these, these great scores from the prequels, but they don't use them the way they should. Like it's fucking Vader and Obi-Wan are fighting again. Like, why aren't we hearing Duel of the Fates? Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, I don't know. I don't know if they just don't want to pay, you know, John Williams any more of those big checks on the <laughs> Disney Plus show. It, it, it kind of feels like it, to be honest with you. Um, uh, but yeah, so the, the standout for me was um, was definitely Hayden Christensen. I thought McGregor was was solid. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I, I wanted to be more emotionally involved than I was. Um, and I thought, you know, Moses Ingram, I was like, oh, is there any reason why people are mad at what she's doing? No, she's she's fine. She's doing exactly what the role is. I, you know, anyone who is complaining about her acting in this has uh, obviously never seen the prequels <laughs> or is judging them on a totally different scale. But I thought she was good. Uh, they're absolutely an interesting uh, character in an interesting storyline that um, pays off. Some, I had some clarity issues on what exactly was motivating her in the, the very end of the series, but I think I got it by the end and, and, and it all kind of, kind of uh, came together. Um, 
but yeah, so if you have a problem with her, you're, you're just a racist. It was, there's, there's no, any, any other valid criticism there. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, it's definitely worth watching and it has some, some things that I could see why people really love it. But, uh, overall I felt it was kind of in, in the middle, in the mid tiers, uh, for me, I, I did not come away, uh, weeping and, uh, and and uh, I'll be honest with you, I cried the first time I saw Rise of Skywalker. So <laughs> I mean, put that out there as you will. Was, uh, Rise of Skywalker was one of those that like the first time I saw it, I was like, fuck yeah, dude. And I, I had the screener and I was like, I'm going to watch it again. And then I was like, ha. Huh. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to watch it a third time with my in-laws. And they were like, ah, and it was just one of those that kind of like the more you thought about it and pulled at the strings, it, it you know, the sweater unraveled, but <laughs> the, I, I still would say JJ it's one, it's a big fucking movie and JJ at least brings it on the action and the spectacle level. Um, and they, they kind of go all out. And then once you kind of go back and you go like, man, that Leia stuff was really weird. Like they should have really come to their senses that we can't like animate a dead person <laughs> in, with, fucking deleted scenes from other movies and try to write our ways around it like that just should have been scrapped in pre-pro and you come up with a better story for that that's just that to me is the stuff that in kind of uh you know doing kelly marie tran dirty by just kind of sidelining her and, and all that stuff so yeah um i'm just saying it seems to be now that that's the universally like uh low point of of the franchise and i, I still think i had a more emotionally invested time in that than I did on this one. So, yeah. Now, wait, the first thing you said, flea from the red hot chili peppers flea. Yeah. He's a bounty hunter. He's pretty good. You know who else is in it is, uh, is, uh, Han from, uh, from the fast and the furious movies. And he's got like a cool makeup. Yeah. Sung Kang has this, this cool makeup. Of course he's not, uh, used as much as he should be, but um, yeah. yeah, no, I thought the cast was 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 pretty good. Um, all okay. things considered, yeah, yeah, I and, think most- and, it, and it does. I will also give it; it does get the fuck off of Tatooine, which yeah. is a nice thing as well. Like, um, but you know, so you do get to see some other cities, but there, you know, it, it it's just not. It's not. You're feeling the difference in the budgets. Like these other, <laughs> the movies are fucking huge extravagandas. And I, I, not that these things look cheap, but they, they don't look as expensive as they should be, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna ask some more questions, but I, I don't give a shit about Star Wars. Like, does does Obi Wan die in this in the prequel in, in this series? Like, I don't like. To me, it's like, what's the point if I know what's gonna happen? But like you said, you know, there's like little like story beats, but like, I mean, still, Leia's gonna. I'm with you. I'm I'm not a huge prequel person. You know, I I, I'm kind of with you on 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 that. I I I have no debate. I am am too. I I mean, if you're gonna do a prequel, do it like Lucas did the prequels, where you're really. I mean, yes, we know it's gonna end with with Anakin becoming Darth Vader, but I mean, he's telling a completely different story with a completely different scope, a completely different focus, you know, he's doing it. He's not so many prequels seem to me to just descend into like fan service. Hey, let's recognize some shit, you know, let's remember some shit that happened in the movie that you, that you know is going to happen in the movie that you actually like. 
Uh, it's a real tricky problem, I think, to go. And I think maybe that's why Mando was so successful is because, again, that was a separate story. That was an entirely new story with entirely new characters. Uh, I can't. And, and it's set in the time period we've actually wanted to see since 1983 or whatever. We, we That's the time period we're interested in. And, and everyone's like, yeah, let's go back. It's like, no, I want to know what happened after Return of the Jedi. I, you know, so. That's another reason why I think Mando is so strong. I agree. I didn't see Mando, but uh, I saw the Boba Fett, and which I like because you know it's, it's about a fat old man trying to like be, be boring in the, in the desert, like with a hot wife. So like the show is boring as fuck, but like I like the vibe of it. But even in that one, like the so how strong Mandalorian is, Mandalorian takes over a full episode of Boba Fett show, and it's the best episode because because yeah. that's actually like and that's a, that's a cool thing. It's like. Me having never seen Mandalorian in any of the any of the seasons, that one episode puts so much, I don't know, depth or gravitas into what this guy does. Like just his presence and the little like crew of the other Mandos alone, that little thirty minutes of story was so like rich that like no, nothing else I've seen from Star Wars has really done that since. Like you know, no, like, yeah, it, no, he, he's so he is quite powerful. And that, that's kind of what I was like. This move, this show is relying on you know three movies worth, and then also with you know Kenobi, uh, the whole original trilogy as well, of a character that we are already like love, and I'm not like a hundred percent, you know, feeling emotionally grounded in that. That that seems like a, an issue. <laughs> that's a, that's a, um, so yeah, I, I I don't I hate I hate sounding. Um, negative and, and, and nitpicking but it is it is interesting to see uh you know people's different uh, emotional reaction to it and some people just love star wars you know no matter what and uh maybe i'm just jealous of them yeah i mean you know chris and andy and i are all diehard star wars fans but they definitely i mean they love it with like a you know a, a full body that even i can't can't get there you know because i i, I feel like some of the TV shows, you know, I, I, I said that Mando actually like kind of saved my love of Star Wars because I was so like I have several Star Wars tattoos. And after I saw Rise of Skywalker, I was like, oh, God, I have made bad life choices like that movie <laughs> soured me so much. How funny is the Luke part when he just is like, d- d- like, hey, nerds, I'll give you everything you want. And then, <laughs> that scene, it is so embarrassing. It, it honestly feels like it's a living color, like sketch, making fun of what people would have wanted after The Last Jedi. Like it's 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 like a, a total Wayne's Brothers send up where he's just like, and you are exactly right. I'll give you everything you want. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> But then Mando comes out and uh, it's like everything uh, that made me love Star Wars in the first place. You know, I mean, you get this great character, this great story. You get an adorable little Muppet. Uh, you get you get uh, Ludwig Gorenson's. You know, you brought up the music, Liam. You get fucking Ludwig creating a, a memorable, absolutely. I mean, that's Vice, like you said, that's part of the reason that Mando works in Boba Fett, even if you haven't seen him, because as soon as you hear that whistle, that is yeah. you know, the lead of his theme. And then you get the, you know, the drums coming in. You're like, okay, this, this feels like a legendary character. Yeah. And then now I, I kind of just sort of feel like nothing's reaching those highs again. And it sounds like Obi-Wan, it sounds like I'm going to like Obi-Wan because I'm, 
I love Hayden Christensen. I love you and McGregor. I'm going to, I love precocious children. Not really, but uh, <laughs> no, that, that that's the part where you're, you're going to be lighting up our DMS. I can't wait. But even the fact that you a diehard star, star Wars fan, this movie's, this show's been out for a week or it's been out for weeks and you haven't watched it. That's kind of telling. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. It is because a lot of this stuff, I'm kind of like, well, I'd rather just watch return of the Jedi again you know, or, or, I, or in revenge of the Sith in this yeah. one, I was like, it does not hit the fucking highs of like, you were the chosen one. It does not get there to me at least. So, yeah. What a Mace Windu, man. He's about, yeah, oh, well, I, I guess I, I, guess well, I, I have show. one joke. I have one joke to give you, um, uh, vice and then, and then we'll move on. I was going to say, if you watch only one series about a retired psychokinetic hero who lives in the desert, having lost their powers, and standing in the world, but now needs to face the demons of their past in order to regain regain their worth and save the day. I'd recommend Stranger Things season four. <laughs> <laughs> Which I did watch and uh, is quite excellent. And Sean Levy, the Sean Levy Stan, uh, Mike, you will be proud. He directed, I think, one of the best episodes of genre TV that I've seen in a, in a while. Um, I, honestly, since Watchmen, I, I thought that the episode four of, of season four of Stranger Things is so fucking good. And if you've seen all these memes about running up the hill, the Kate Bush song, it's tied to that. But uh, I also think this is maybe why I was harsh on Obi-Wan just coming off of seeing Stranger Things last week and then Obi-Wan this week is just the, the writing and the filmmaking of uh, the direction, the editing, um, you know, it's one of the, it's one of the Zimmerman uh, boys that edited it, like the legendary, his dad edited all the Rocky movies. Um, it is so strong. And I think they did such a great job going back and setting up a, a past that, you know, you could say it's, it's retcon, but it all fit. It was just really solid sequel writing where they're going forward and going back at the same time and filling in gaps and setting up a really awesome bad guy. And, you know, I think one of the criticisms of that show from just a, um, like a visual standpoint is, you know, the first season, it was a fully CG bad guy. And you're like, wait, you're going back to the eighties. This is all about this eighties aesthetic. And then you have this kind of like wild CG uh, creature. Why didn't you do, you know, uh, something practical. And, um, um, the company I was at actually did season two of Stranger Things. And it, it's it's crazy that it took to season four, but they have an incredible uh, monster with, uh, a, you know, a, a great foam latex suit and prosthetics. And uh, it's combined with CG, of course. But um, if you love that type of shit and if you like um, the Skyline movies, it's uh, there, there's some aesthetic and, and, and idea overlap. Uh, between 11 and Rose anyway. So I, I really, uh, it tickled all, all my numbers and actually has some fucking great action scene in, in uh, I think episode four as well with a one that is a legit one and really, really good, really well blocked out. And again, it gives you this, the, the immersive feeling instead of just like the show off feeling. Um, so yeah, uh, Str Stranger Things uh, season four was the best season of the show. I thought by quite a bit. And uh, I think that the the directing was uh, at a pretty high level. I only seen the first season. I kind of skipped the other ones because I it was just I didn't have time. But I did see the first episode of this one, the new season, and I was like, it was funny because um, people were joking about how 
all the the kids are like twenty now. You know, the kids, but then I guess they kind of try to fix that quote unquote by making the older kids like forty, like the the Hesher dude with the D and D master, the D and D master, and he's like, what are they called? The Hellfire Club? Yes. <laughs> They're teachers. They're so fucking old. <laughs> but I guess it makes sense because the younger kids are like at 20 now. So it was just funny to see that. Like it was just funny to see, like, it was, I guess you get like it was kind of a weird, like um, maybe not 80s or throwback, but like these little like touches that maybe may or may not be intentional, but they kind of add to the flavor of it all. And again, you, you know, know I, I mean, yeah. my wife watches All American on Netflix, where there, it's like a high school football drama, where it's like literally all thirty-two-year-old <laughs> men as the high school players. I'm like, so I, to me, this still looks like way better than most TV shows as far as age-appropriate casting. Yeah. Um, that that guy though, the guy who played Eddie, is just uh, Mike. You're just lit- watching the whole time. It just looks like the lead singer of uh, Quiet Riot. I just can't get it out of my head. It's like he looks like the guy yeah. from Quiet Riot and um and and Mr. Big like had a baby and they 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 kind of nailed it though. Like that the, the what, what, shitty 80s mop on his head yeah. is perfect. Was he in like the previous season or is this the first season? Because first, first season. This guy's good, man. I, I like he's him. really I, I, good. Yeah, I loved him, man. Like he's like so like charming. I don't know, even, even though he's like a you know a, a dirtbag hesher. Is this I don't know, the bottom was, was really cool. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm gonna watch the rest of the season too. Because uh, rest of the season because I, I like what I saw so far, even though I don't know what was going on. Despite I mean, they, the, they said the, the budget was really big and it looks it like that's again, like I thought like the fucking they're, they're doing Russian prisons. Um, they're doing, you know, these bases, everything. I felt like this, every cent felt like it was on screen. It felt like a very big wait, show. Wait, they, they, they're, transitions. They're, they're redoing the um, Black Widow scene where they get break out the Captain Russia, whatever his name is. Yeah, but it's way better. <laughs> Yeah, his Russian prison storyline is legit. I I liked it a lot, and um, yeah, David Harbor, kicking ass. Did he? uh, (laughs) Did he run into the most complete fighter in the world? (laughs) That would have been great. Well, you know, that's they still need someone else on the directing staff to make sure that those things don't, those opportunities don't go missed. So you know, I'm available season five. Uh, my boy my boy levy uh you know i've said it before dude knows what he's doing you might not like his movies but dude knows what he's doing he knows how to he knows how to do his fucking job yeah um well shit fuck it this is going off again the the, the end times like i kind of okay it's kind of related to this stuff like you know netflix and serialized storytelling i have one for you guys here it's a one that i saw recently also they just came out netflix last week so this is a uh a new anime. Oh, here we go. Anime on a nerd shit. Here we go, buddies. <laughs> Wait, you know what? Wait, I'm going to get my uh, my vape to totally animate nerd out. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> this, is how, this is how nerdy it's going to get. Okay, here we go. What oh, kind of vape was that? This is the um, Miley Strawberry Banana. Miley, give us money. <laughs> that, and that, that's a weed vape? No, it's like, I'm not, I'm not that hard yet. It's just like a regular like, fucking like Fake tobacco one. Is okay, tobacco. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's Although so Vice good. is stepping on my brand. I'm the vapor on the show, Vice. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I got to usurp your powers for, for uh, this, for the anime stuff. I don't know if it's if it's getting too much uh, behind the scenes, but Vice did say his wife was out of town for the weekend. So we just oh God, yeah. popped in the I... vape out, <laughs> go to the serious? bar at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I made a whole steak yesterday. It's my, I'm living life, man. Uh, Shit! Tobacco Tuesday is locked down again. <laughs> done for. <laughs> hey, so back, so back to the anime shit. Weebo time. Okay, 
So what I watched this uh, this past week, it's an anime series on Netflix uh, called Spriggan. It's a uh, action uh, sci-fi uh, military-based uh, story. And the easy, the easy way to describe it is it's, uh, it's like if a course between Indiana Jones and Predator or a Schwarzenegger movie, where it's just a um, group of uh, archaeological artifacts you know, in this world, in this story, are actual, like, either real spiritual or, or actual, like, ancient advanced civilization, you know, shared God stuff that, that uh, you know, have changed the course of the world. And so this organization, uh, they uh, go out and try to find these artifacts to protect them from evildoers who would try to, you know, change the world. And they do so with the uh, physical help of, or the agents they call Spriggan. These are, like, basically these uh, armored super soldiers. Um, so the story focuses on one one soldier. Uh, his name is Yu Omanai. He's a um, basically he's a basically he's a he's a brainwashed child soldier, but he kind of like broke free from that stuff. So now he's like a, he's like an actual high school kid. Again, this is the anime stuff, you know. Anime has a bunch of you know, high school kids doing like you know weird weird you know uh, military stuff. Um, so um, now the thing is that this this actual this property is maybe like thirty almost forty years old now. The original manga that's a comic book to you guys. Uh, it came out. Uh, in 1989, and so and the 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 the, uh, the 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 fabric of the show kind of or of the series kind of uh, indicates that because again, like uh, the original comics, they had like a uh, like sci-fi Japanese cyberpunk street punk kind of designs with like hardcore like really technically accurate military hardware, and so uh, that was part of the the, the, the design of it. You know, they would they would take like a full page to describe this. Uh, Nine millimeter handgun to you. That's how, that's how kind of geeky, nerd, nerdy they were about it. So for the update, uh, and then also um, there was actually a, a feature film back in '98, so about 20 years ago now. Um, that again, that kind of condensed a few of these stories into one big feature film. It was really like really a um, very technically impressive movie. It looks great even now. It holds up visually, but uh, you know the story is kind of jumbled because they literally put pieces of different volumes together. So now new uh, the kind of new, new adaptation on Netflix. It's a uh, six. Uh, about 40, 45 minute episodes, kind of like the uh, classic, uh, what they call the OVAs, original video animations back in the 90s of like anime series. That would just be like one, like small chunk of like, you know, pretty hefty story, but like just, you know, just, just enough, like almost like a, a volume of a manga. Exactly. So the series, the new series on Netflix follows that kind of structure. There's uh, six stories um, at 45 minutes each that kind of follow this, the flow of the original first three uh, books of the manga series and you know with, they did lots of uh, visual updates and stuff like that but all in all uh, the point being that you know it's really solid like you're looking for a solid action based kind of sci-fi military uh, themed show this one has it all it has it in spades um because it has uh again that, that's like a there is some of that uh, a lot of newer shows newer, newer animated anime shows have a mix of 2d and 3d kind of cg and they've been kind of wonky for a little while where like things seem a little stiff. But I think in this case, they did it well. Like the, the animation just flows better. So it's a really cool fight scene I posted on Twitter, like between uh, one, one of the, the Spriggan and uh, a rival soldier. Really well done, really like really solid. You could see the, you could see the actual martial arts. You see the Kung Fu and all that. Um, you could see like the weapons, how they handle stuff. It looks, you know, very, there's a lot of uh, tangible details that actually make it work. But yeah, just so, so, so even if you have no idea what anime is, you don't care about this nerd shit, if you're still looking for a good solid action series, or at least you know uh, something to check out, it's not not too long. Like you can, you can watch one episode if you just feel like it, or follow the whole thing. 
yeah, Spriggan is a good time. I, I definitely recommend checking that out. You know, again, like even if you don't care about this like weird shit at all, the fact that again, Indiana Jones plus Predator, like it, it has that vibe going for it. That's really cool. Yeah, that that's as good of a uh, my. I perked up as soon as he said that, so I, I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, I will. And I told you off recording, Vice, you know, that I, I did see the movie, um, you know, decades ago and dug it. I remember digging it. I don't remember much about it, but I remember it being cool. So I'm, I'm going to check this one out, too. Um, yeah, kind of. I, I, I'm most hoping that um, if this does well, well, they kind of, not really spoil it, but they kind of tease a second season, I guess, um, which would, you know, follow the rest of the stories that were printed before. I'm kind of hoping that um, if this gets popular, they might. Well, dude, that movie from 98 is not available anywhere. I, I have it on fucking dvd from adv films shout out to people who remember that shit <laughs> so i have the dvd still but that's the only way to currently anybody's able to see it and that's just like 50 bucks on, on uh, amazon or like you know uh, ebay and there's no there's only one uh, it's an italian blu-ray so it's like really hard to find you know unless you like you know surf for the web and so forth um but yeah i hope that this is like reach re- either a re-release or like you know, maybe a streaming release or something like that because again that, that movie if you can see i post some clips online the visuals like it's, it holds up as good as anything today it's really a really striking uh, movie so yeah i hope i hope that happens soon yeah it's freaking good, good, good stuff check it out um all right well i think probably the last thing is the one thing that we absolutely uh the last movie we want to talk about is the one that we actually have to talk about because we were provided a screener for the purposes of review we were supposed to do it last week and didn't uh get to it but uh yeah I'll, i i know i liam i don't I don't think you were able to see this, but Vice, I know you actually made it to the theater. Uh, the Witch Part Two, the other one, uh, the the Park Hoon Jung long delayed uh, sequel to The Witch Part One, Subversion. Um, I really, really enjoyed The Witch Part One. Um, I I actually thought it was uh, just a a wildly inventive kick-ass movie um especially once you get to the end of it because it is and 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 that's going to be the same with this one it is a bit slow going there's there's uh you know park is in no hurry to get to where we're going to get to uh and there's some random subplots or side plots that seem like you're like why are they even in this uh but then everything gets contextualized at the end that makes you just sit up and go oh oh no he knows exactly what he's doing um vice you haven't seen part one, but tell me, tell us what you thought about part two. I kind of actually fitting that we do, do this now, um, even though it's delayed, because we talked a little bit about these, um, these prequels and these um, franchises, these series that have these um, entry, these tangential entry points um, and how that works or hinders how they, how effective they are and all we want so forth. Um, not seeing this first movie, this was still a good, a really solid, standalone experience like this is like it's hard to describe this movie like if you if you if you only seen it well the witch at least from this one is basically a really hard r sci-fi super superhuman kind of film um again and honestly it's you know i'll talk about i'll just talk about you know anime and manga it really has that much more of a vibe than any of our modern contemporary western superhero stuff or even it's but it's also it's a it's a really straight up horror film it's an action horror thriller superhuman hybrid kind of thing going on um so it's that it's, that alone is that makes it kind of stand out from most of the stuff i've seen this this year at least at the very least um so yeah it's kind of like a i'll put some more uh comparisons like resident evil plus like man of steel kind of battles going on this is really like a really kind of uh impressive uh 
or ambitious stuff going on. And now, and now, you know, after seeing it and now, you know, I haven't seen the first one yet, but like, he's going for this full on, like uh, this full world building thing of these, like these, uh, it, it, the, the whole story kind of revolves around these um, genetically engineered superhumans. Um, so they have like telekinetic and super strength kind of powers. Um, but it's also like very bloody. And uh, again, that kind of Resident Evil vibe, you know, the, the, like the big corp, the, the secret corporations making these like super soldiers. And then, the, but of course that always goes awry. And so it has that really dark vibe to it. So then, so that when the actual superhero or super superhuman combat stuff goes on, as it goes off, like um, it's just, it was really impressive. Uh, you know, they, they take time to like, uh, like you said, this is a, a long movie takes its time. So they, there's like a, they, one of the uh, the main superhuman in this in this story, they kind of uh, meet up with this regular regular people, regular civilians, and you know, kind of live life. Meanwhile, these other groups of superhumans are trying to track track them down to ex- eliminate them, exterminate them. So they they take their time to like build the characters to have a little heart, have a little quiet moments. Um, so that when the actual final battle happens, it's like you oh yeah, I'm, I'm invested now. I'm in. I wanna you know I wanna see how this unfolds. Um, and, it, and, it, and again, like uh, even not knowing the original story, they take their time to do these, these newer characters that you see so can all kind of you can figure it out on your own or on, on its own what's going on. And again, so that again, that once the actual climactic battle happens, you kind of you have a good sense of who's what, who's who's what, who's where, who's why. You know, the basic start kind of to- storytelling stuff that sadly is kind of missing a lot of movies now. But, you know, it all has like a emotional narrative clarity and also visual clarity. Because you know it's uh like I said I mentioned Man of Steel, it's like a kind of a mid-budget kind of Smallville Smallville fight, you know, and like and I think it works like it it pulls off what it's going for, you know, lots of high kinetic like a, a faster than human eye kind of movements, but it, but you, you still clearly see what's going on, but but again again it's bloody as fuck, lots of knives and stabbings and uh, headshots and uh, gore like straight up gore like it's it's. Really, really, really fucking cool. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, like so, so as you so, just seeing this movie with the, I am now fully invested into this this franchise, this property, whatever you want to call it. So I definitely want to go back to see the first movie and check out, you know, what I missed. And you know, and it, you know, I guess it's not really a spoiler, but you know, they do kind of tease it to follow on. But like that's once you realize, once you see what's happening, you, you realize, oh, that's a foregone conclusion. They are, they definitely intend to keep the story going. That's not really a spoiler. Just like you know, that's that's what that's what the plan is all along. So yeah, it's really yeah, really exciting stuff. Like yeah, definitely one of the. I don't I don't I don't like doing like the whole like um, America versus international cinema kind of thing, because you know we we talked about RR a few weeks ago. You know how like that kind of there's a kind of um, exoticism that happens with Americans when they like when they when they view stuff from other countries, and they kind of over overplay it. Because just because it's not you know just because it's not with people, and um, so I want to avoid doing that here. But I, I gotta say, like um, this this series, this, this movie, The Witch, like has its own distinct vision, its own distinct kind of plan, and its own distinct vibe that I think sets it apart from not just you know American movies, but a lot of movies I've seen this this past year. So I'm really impressed by what what I've seen with this with this property, and I do want to follow it, keep going. So yeah, I definitely recommend to check it out. And I think you know. And this is a from Wogo, of course. Wogo for this money. So usually they have a pretty, a pretty um tight, uh, what do you call it, uh, release cycle. So even though it's just in theaters, you know, I think sooner than later, sooner than later, you'll be able to see this on home video or VOD pretty soon. So yeah, you definitely want to check this out when it once you get a chance. 
Yeah, I am. Um, I, I agree mostly. Um, having seen the first one, for me, this one was a little bit of a letdown. I still think it's a terrific movie. I, I mean, it's really entertaining. Um, but it was a little bit of a letdown because, again, I'm trying to avoid spoilers because the, the less you know, this one, not as much, but especially part one, the less you know about part one, the, the more enjoyable it, it will be for you. Um, I didn't expect it to be a completely secondary movie. Uh, this is it's 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 kind of called part two, the other one for a very specific reason. This follows completely different characters and a completely different story from the first one that's just set in the same world. Uh, and I and I thought that the payoff on this one wasn't quite as much there for me as it was in part one. Uh, and the fights, while they do go off, were a little dodgy CGI, but I did still appreciate that they, like you said, Vice, they go the fuck off. I mean, they go there. This is like, Liam, if you ever get around to watching this, you're going to, I think, love the fight scenes because they are, they're, they're exactly the type of shit that, you know, you try and do in some of your work where it's, you got people with superhuman powers, but they're not just lightly punching one another. They're like throwing motherfuckers, uh, you know, into the next County and shit like that. And, uh, and getting limbs cut off and all sorts of stuff. So it, it's the, the payoff here is, is really good. It felt a lot slower to me than part one did. It felt like it dragged a bit more for me than part one. Uh, but I still, think it's a worthy sequel and, and people definitely should check it out. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm all in, give me part three, give it to me soon. Um, Park Hoon Jung has, uh, a pretty, uh, great career as a director. He did another movie called the new world that I've really enjoyed. And he's got one on Netflix that I haven't watched yet called a night in paradise that I, I have not seen yet, but he, um, you know, you were saying, Vice, you don't really want to do the whole compare American to international cinema because it gets weirdly exotic when when people do that. Uh, what I will say is uh, you can't really even compare him to other directors in Korea. He's very much doing his own thing. And there really aren't a lot of other Korean movies that are this level of like super hero bloody beatdown and that are trying to create this sort of complex mythology and, and, you know, sort of the fucked up X-Men or whatever uh, yeah, yeah. he's trying to do here. And so it is a special, these are special movies because they're not like everything else that's being done, even in Korea. Um, and so, yeah, I, I strongly encourage everybody to check it out, see it in the theater. If you can, uh, like Vice said, it is well go. It will be out soon. Usually they are on about a two to three month turnaround. A lot of it just depends on, um, you know, this one was actually interesting because this got a worldwide release date. Uh, wow. They actually dropped it worldwide in theaters. So it opened here the same day it opened in, in uh, South Korea. So, wow. yeah. So uh, I'm sure there's already streaming rights and all that stuff's already all been locked up um, and, and ready to go. We just uh, haven't seen it yet. So yeah, good rec, good rec from us. I think, I think people should check it out. Liam, I, I do think you should check both of them out. I do think bear with, I will say to everybody, bear with, the slowness they do they are a bit draggy they do drag uh so and they're long you know they're both almost two and a half hours long each um the payoffs i think warrant it i that warrants it more in the first one 
uh, than it does here. I, I could have probably stood to have see about 20 minutes cut out of this one, but uh, that's, a, that's a minor complaint. I still think they're worth checking out. Well, I'm just wanted to, to follow up and say I'm still firmly in the RRR rules camp and it's <laughs> number, you know, it, it's the best movie of the year along with Maverick for me. Those are my my two favorite movies uh, by a long shot. So that's all. <laughs> I'm with Brendan in the, uh, the ambulance camp so far. <laughs> yeah, I, that, I, I love that you guys love that movie that much. I obviously really, really enjoyed it, but uh, I just still say those other two were on a different level. Yeah, it's, 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 I, I, I'm going to be stunned if any movie comes out this year that dethrones Maverick is my favorite movie of the year. Like I just, that movie gave me every, I mean, we reviewed it. We did a whole review. Yeah, Yeah. no, I know. But (laughs) yeah, I mean, it just gave me everything I could have possibly wanted out of a, out of a movie. Um, All right. Go ahead, Vice. Well, I was going to say, I think like emotionally, like I think maybe um still, uh, Everything everywhere, probably like the emotional high for me so far this year. That I did that was doing so much, so much stuff and like you know, like so much specific stuff, you know, like immigrant stuff and, and family stuff. So maybe that one is the maybe I think that one is the one to beat for me this year. So we'll see. Yeah, that's the one I still have to see. And I did mention I I finally started reading um, Blood, Sweat, and Chrome about Fury Road, yeah. um, and about halfway through that, and it is it does kind of remind me a lot about some of the the different thinking about how important that movie was at the time and how it's kind of grown in legend. It does feel like that with Maverick in a weird way, except Maverick's actually making even more money. It's yeah. fucking insane. So it's going to make a billion dollars probably. Shit, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people forget Fury Road was actually a pretty major box office. Uh, I don't want to say failure, but a pretty major box office disappointment. Uh, at least it was, it was a modest hit. I think, I don't know. You know, we'd have to get Scott back on. Cause yeah. I think it was like three, <laughs> something almost four but yeah it, it but i it, think by the time it was all said and done it had like a 275 million dollar budget or something i don't know you're reading the book it'll probably cover all of that so it's i mean yeah there's just there's shit in it that's like it's hard for me to just be like you you know i mean that they just you 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 question whether or not the movie could have been made without all of these crazy things around it you know like these things saying like we have to have everything be found art so they would actually like go to junkyards like there's nothing that they like really fabricated except of course the engines inside the cars but it was all and you know i i think i think it's it's part of it but it is also like the only way that movie gets made is if the filmmaker is like wildly successful as a younger man and in no rush and like can kind of you know, has these other hits coming. He's making these happy feet movies that are making hundreds of millions of dollars to keep his whole company going through all of this tumult. So that, that has been that one thing in my mind where it's like, it's just, it's so amazing that he's, you know, has the the ability to withstand all of this turmoil and, and stay true to this vision. I'm like, well, the dude, the, the guy's still getting checks from the road warrior, like every day <laughs> in his account. Like it, 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 it yeah. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm I'm belittling the accomplishment of George Miller, but there is just like, <laughs> like, you know, real, real life is more stressful than being like a wildly successful filmmaker. Um, that's all. So, um, but yeah, it, it is really, really uh, a great read. And um, 
uh, I, I recommend anybody who, uh, who who loves it and loves movies uh, to just kind of see like, wow, this is a holistic approach to making a movie. And uh, I just, my only fear is that like, if you're a film school student and you read this and you'd be like, that's how I need to make my first movie. Like it's not going to fucking work, dude. You, you go back to how he did the first Mad Max. That's 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 how you're gonna get your first movie made. Don't don't think you can make Fury Road. Uh, uh, that that one got me. I was drinking right when you said that, and that this is the way you delivered that line. It's not gonna fucking work, dude. Um, all right, guys. I think this is probably a good time to wrap it up for the day. Um, I I don't know that. You know, we thought about saving some stuff. I'm just gonna say, uh, everybody out there. You know, we love you. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Uh, shit's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, I, I don't even think we've reached uh, the beginning of the levels of fuckitude that we're about to see uh, out there now. So look out for each other. Have one another's backs. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Um, and we'll we'll hopefully be here to keep kind of giving you some silly distractions about silly movies um because none of this shit actually fucking matters i'm not even sure that anything fucking matters anymore so we might as well just steer into the absurd and do the stupid that, that we that we try and do here every week um vice anything you want to add to that remember that part in the beef and vendetta i don't know about the comic the movie where he's like the comedian is like doing all the jokes about the, the government we might do that shit then then they're gonna bust into my door and fucking arrest me <laughs> Well, hey, I'm I'm down a clown. If you guys are, <laughs> let's do this shit until the fucking Gestapo comes for us. Fuck him. <laughs> the free speech and all that shit. Yeah, I yeah. Look, 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 look. It's like it's fucking terrible. We know. I know intimately how terrible this is. But like, I'm fucking still here. I'm still alive. We're still here. We still there's still more of us than there are of them. So I don't know. Like. We, we we still in the fight. We still doing something. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, we, we ain't back and change this yet. And even if we are, because, well, hey, again, power and numbers. So we're gonna be here talking shit about anything and everybody, but for as long as we can, as long as the internet is still free. Or, or I, I pay for internet. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> free in spirit. Um, but yeah, that's how I feel. Like, free in spirit right now. Like, uh, hmm. Like, you know, like, I'm always thinking about, like, you know, back in the time, like, you know, like, civil rights and shit like that. Even, like, you know, slave shit. Like, you know, how did motherfuckers carry on? And they did, because I'm here. <laughs> I'm fucking here. I am the, the fruit of the efforts. So it's like, I know that I have to, like, step it up, you know, and, like, provide, do the service. Now more than ever. But also it's like... um I am so far the culmination of those efforts. So I got to keep that chain going. So that's how I feel. Even, uh, you know, as dark as shit has, has, has been, you know, it, not to say that it's been worse. What I mean is to prevail is, you know, infinite. So that's where I'm at. Like, you know, I'm not going to let this despair get me just yet. I'm still here with my friends, enjoying movies, enjoying these terrible, terrible, shitty, shitty Netflix movies. <laughs> Well, we still have time, so you know it's it's not all doom yet. You know we still out here, and uh, oh yeah, and I just want to say thank you again. Like I said before, you thank you to all listeners for your support. We really love you guys. We really appreciate it. We mean it, mean it, and um, we want to keep this going for y'all as long as we can. Yeah, Liam, you want to take us home? 
Uh, yeah, no, that that was really moving, Vice, and um, I think it's good a place. And, and it's been obviously Friday was an epic doom scrolling day. Um, and we all mm -hmm. kind of felt that. And I think that's okay. And we all got angry and we all got sad. And, um, and you know, the, the, the chilling call out of like, it's not just that we're, you know, uh, losing uh, abortion rights. Uh, you know, they're coming after gay marriage and the right to privacy. I mean, that, and um all those things affect everybody and it's just so crazy to me because i know people on the other side that were were happy about this to denying other people's rights to your life and so that that's the part that's just so frustrating that um this right-wing engine has just kind of like distorted these entire people's experience of life is that they think if 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 uh women have the right to choose if gay men uh and women and queer across the board are are finding happiness that that's somehow lessening their lives it's just yeah. it's really dark and um and yeah i don't i don't have a great solution for it now but i'm i'm really looking towards uh you know supporting fighters in uh the democratic leadership and uh hopefully those people really start to emerge because uh, right now they're not meeting the moment. And, uh, and we really could, we really could use someone who wants to fucking punch people back and uh, um, we'll be there. You know, we're action for everyone. We're, we're down for the action <laughs> throwing rights and left. <laughs> so, uh, so, no, you yeah. know, let's, let's go. I, I said, say whatever, I'm gonna say, fuck it. So speaking like uh, Supreme court rules, they, uh, for the past century, um, New York was a no, no, what do you call it? No concealed carry state. And now it is. So it's like, y'all really want to do this shit? <laughs> Let's fucking do it. <laughs> like, this is like, this is such a weird, like, uh, almost like there's a whole engine of planning going on, but like, they're not seeing the consequence. Like, there's other consequences. Like, is, here's, I'll, I'll, end on, I'll end on this. Like, that a black guy married to a white guy is gonna like overturn uh the the interracial marriage thing. <laughs> I know. Like that's what he wants to do. Well, like, no, he bro. he he left that off. I mean, yeah, we're talking about Clarence <laughs> Thomas didn't mention the loving versus Virginia because he's married to a white woman. But like, like, some people are like, maybe he's looking for an easy way to get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> like for a who couldn't write this shit. This is just so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and I tell you, so I, I, I did a little bit of tweet is that I, you know, I, I did this internship in DC and one day they said, you know, just go to the Supreme court, go and witness it and, and sit around. And it, and I was working for a Republican center at the time. Uh, I, I've talked about that, but it was like, so I was not coming at it from like, I, the, the, my mindset of where I am now. So I'm coming in kind of being like, oh, Clarence Thomas, he's misunderstood. Everyone's too mean to this guy. And I just looked at him and he was going like this, staring up at the ceiling. I was like, what the fuck is going on? He won't look at anybody. And then it's just like, everyone's like, he he hasn't talked in years. He he won't talk. And uh, 
and, and it all kind of coincided with 2016. And, and now he's like excited because he's taking people's rights away. It's crazy. Like you said, like, this is fucking uh, lame. Ass people are going on. <laughs> yeah, it is. Ver, it is Verhoeven's like, no, nah, throw it out Too too obvious. <laughs> He gotta legislate himself out of existence. That's so fucking crazy. Like the 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 most powerful judge in in the in America is gonna ban himself. He's gonna he's gonna ban black people. <laughs> I'm glad someone thinks it's funny because it is fucking crazy. Do you, uh, like, you, we do need to wrap up. My internet for some reason is getting really unstable. Um, okay, well, they're coming for us. The feds coming. They're already onto us. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. They're already onto us. They're shutting it down. So, um, uh, Vice, where can people find you? Uh, I am on uh, uh, Letterbox, being smart, Instagram, being hot, and Twitter. I have my just talking shit. <laughs> Liam, where can people find you? Liam Odin on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me at Hibachi Justice on Twitter and Letterboxd. You can find the show at A4E Podcast on Twitter. That's the letter A, the number four, the letter E Podcast. And you're listening to us, so you know you can find the podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. Boys, I love you. Let's do this again next week. I'm sure we're going to have some other fucking bullshit to talk about. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see everybody next week. Thank you, guys. Cheers. <laughs>